can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. I have been seeing 69 more than you can even imagine. And last night, um, I was walking down the street and I was like, oh my God. And I looked at the sign and it said like the street name is 69, um, Sook and Fit 69. And I, I was like, I can't believe I'm actually my last four nights in Thailand, I'm staying on. If that's not the universe <laughs> telling you you're heading in the right direction, I know, I don't I know. know what is. And then not only that, I was walking down the street the other day and it said, like, for a medical emergency, call 1669. Like, their triple yeah. zero is 1669. <laughs> 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 I've been touching at straws with that one. <laughs> and <laughs> the, wor- the worst is, um, you all know I'm traveling with someone nick he was on here last week and um he's getting really sick of me because i just go oh my god look 69 69 like i just point yeah. it out everywhere and he's like what is wrong with you and he's, he's like shut up <laughs> <laughs> he's just like what is wrong with you and i said i said to him i said it's not a, it's not sexual it's not a sexual thing it's a is it, know, is it? no no it's, okay. a, um, it's a universal spiritual thing. angel number thing it's actually represents twin flames However, have, oh. you, have you listened to the new podcast, Twin Flames? There's like a podcast about that couple, the YouTube couple. No. I just started no. it. Um, it's called Twin Flames. I've just started listening okay. to it. It's good Maybe so far. Wondry. It. It's Wondry. So, you know, it'll be good. All right. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, not, yeah, so yeah. I'm not, after I started listening to that, I was a bit skeptical on the Twin Flame thing, but mm. that's one of the meanings. But did you see Courtney and Travis got married in Vegas and they're staying. Yeah, speaking of twin flames. <laughs> and I know, whoa. And they're staying in room 69. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. Yes. Another sign for you. They I, know I what's up. Yeah, they know, they what's, know what's up. up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did see that. I, I was just thinking, oh, Chris Jenner must have been cursing them for not having the cameras there. I know. Mm. I, I'm I'm having a little bit of trouble also with because now we've got Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly. Love. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um Courtney and Travis love, but they seem very in love. Very uh, it's an yeah. odd odd pairing initially, but they do seem really in love. Yeah. And then Kim and Pete Davidson, he got a tattoo saying, My girl is a lawyer. I'm on board with that. I'm on board with Kim and Pete. Yeah. As weird as it is, I just really think that she deserves the happiness. He And it's rogue for her. She's really gone out of her comfort zone with her type there. It's so rogue. Even pre Kanye. Pete was not her type, but Pete's never anyone's type. He's just there's something about him. (laughs) So even I don't see it. (laughs) And I like that kind Mm. of (laughs) off like quirky personality. Even I'm like, what? Um, another thing that I did here was I went to the movies for the first time since I've been in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about $4 to go to the movies. Isn't that crazy? How good. But Colin Farrell in The Batman, have you seen it? No, Hannah, I've not seen The Batman. <laughs> so, so, so. 
so Colin Farrell looks like a monster in it. Um, they've done like yeah. all these prosthetics. You saw it on my Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. What I don't, the whole time all I could think was why didn't they just choose someone that looked more like that? Like why? Yeah, choose an uglier man. So, so but he, he, it didn't even look like a real person. It looked so fake because he had so many prosthetics uh, on. And I was like, yeah. why not just like choose someone that looks more like that? Why have mm. like beautiful Colin Farrell, why make him look like that? And it looked really fake, yeah. really fake. Well, you should give that feedback to him the next time. I know. Time we're next time we chat. <laughs> yeah. I still can't believe that time that he was in the Gold Coast and someone sent me a oh, photo. I know. Someone, a, a listener sent me a photo of him. Oh, she I was, can't believe you didn't cross paths with him. I was convinced that was about to happen. No, she was at the hotel that he was at, took a sneaky photo yeah. of him on his sunbed reading and sent it to me. Yeah. Real, real time. That was a real moment for Beauty IQ Uncensored when that it happened. It was. It was, yeah. So anyway, Joe, what is on today's episode? On today's episode, we are talking period syncing with our resident GP, Dr. Lucinda. And then Dr. Ryan DeCruz is joining us to talk about ceramides and a brand new brand that's just launched at Adobe CeraVe. And of course, our products we didn't know we needed. So since coming off the pill, I've had a very big interest in understanding period cycles or just menstrual cycles in general. Um, So we thought we'd bring on our resident GP, Dr. Lucinda, today. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me back on as usual. (laughs) So I was talking to my housemate the other night and she was saying like it was a full moon and I was just about to get my period. I was like, yeah, like I'm getting my period. Of course, it's a full moon. So I had this understanding in the back of my head like I thought our period cycles no according to the moon and then she was like no that's not correct (laughs) wow I I thought that (laughs) like I just she had to be the one to be like that is not right so um can you tell us Lucinda what does influence the timing of our cycle um, yeah, sure. I, first of all, I really am interested to know how long have you thought that your well, period's been? Well, I've just always been on the pill as an adult, so I've never had to think yeah. about so it. So you thought <laughs> you, well, you thought all women got their periods when the moon was full or something? Well, no. When she said that, I was like, "Well, no." But then I thought maybe I did think that. I don't know what I was thinking, but I did think that the moon was involved in some way. It's really not very, right. very interesting. And the thing is, though, that actually has been looked into as well because it is a theory that's been put out there, and mm-hmm. um, there, there is no scientific evidence for periods to be affected by the moon. Just to put but, that to yeah. bed. Um, <laughs> um, but the, basically, when it comes to periods, your menstrual cycle is a affected by so many things and obviously it's controlled by hormones um, not just by your ovaries but also by signals from the brain as well which basically helped communicate with your ovaries to stimulate estrogen and progesterone and many things can sort of impact on this communication between the brain and the ovaries as well so that's things for example like stress where basically the brain's then saying this is not the good time to have a pregnancy right now. We need to like get out of the danger zone. Things like hormonal changes or abnormalities. So for example, if you're on the pill, uh, if you're breastfeeding, if you've got things like polycystic ovarian syndrome, thyroid problems, diabetes, premature menopause, 
Other things like over-exercising. Um, so your body senses this as like, this excision as like a stress and sends a signal to your ovaries again saying, please don't ovulate, we are in danger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then things like not eating enough or yo-yo dieting because you're unable to provide the energy requirements for your own body, yet alone sort of having to sustain a healthy pregnancy. So everything's really around like getting pregnant, essentially. Yeah. It's wow. so fascinating what yeah. our bodies do. Mm-hmm. And even lack of sleep or poor sleep. Um, so that mm-hmm. stimulates sort of stress hormone production, like cortisol, which basically feeds back to the brain and, and alters the estrogen and progesterone production. And so it's fascinating how all of these lifestyle things that occur can have such a massive impact on our menstrual cycle. Yeah. And it is amazing. Our bodies just, it fascinates me. The more I learn, like now that I know we're not on on the moon cycle, um, I'm going to look into that a lot more. But it's so interesting. Like even that our body creates these hormones so that it can signal to other organs. Like, isn't that just wild? It is. It really is. It's amazing. Is period sinking real? It's a very good question. Out of interest, have any of you experienced this? Yes. I feel like I have. When we were in the office, Hannah, do you remember, I was the only one on the pill at the time and everyone else started to get their period at exactly the same time (laughs) as me. Yeah, yeah. So I agree with, like, I've also experienced this, I believe, like with, you know, even my mom when she was having periods and then like living with housemates and stuff like that. And there's been a lot of studies done on this, but actually there's not enough scientific evidence to prove that there is something such as period sinking, of which the most common theory of period sinking is that women release pheromones that interact with the people that are really close to them, and then you have sort of similar period cycles together. Um, But yeah, with all the studies being done so far to date, there's not enough evidence to say, yep, this is definitely a thing. But then also it's kind of like, well, so many people are experiencing it. So we can't sort of fully rule it out altogether. It's just we haven't got the scientific proof. But what Mm -hmm. they do say is that you're far more likely just to be because we all have slightly different cycles. So some people have shorter cycles than others. Some people's periods last sort of fewer days or more days than others. So it's likely that at some point your periods will sync with each other just because, you know, just by chance really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's the scientific <laughs> uh, side of things really. And so when it comes to a normal timeline for each stage of our cycle, and I'm kind of learning about the luteal phase and the follicular phase and all of that stuff now, what's a normal timeline for each stage of our cycle? Yeah, that's great. And it's it's really incredible how little we are taught about our cycles. I know. Um, mm. <laughs> it's pretty upsetting really because it's really such important stuff because these things just happen we haven't got a clue why they're happening and as you were saying earlier oh you know could very well be related to the moon by all i know yeah. and it's just sort of you <laughs> in know, fairness we're i not did go to these catholic things. school they weren't throwing out a lot of information about our bodies Wow. Okay. Well, basically, um, the length of your cycle is basically the number of days from the start of um, your period until the start of the next. So like day one is the first day of your period. And say, for example, day 28 is the last day before your next period. Mm-hmm. And just to let you know, only like 15% of women have the classic textbook 28-day cycle. And really, it's normal to have anything between 21 and 35 days um, mm-hmm. for your cycle length. 
And as you mentioned, your cycle is is mainly separated into two phases. So the follicular phase, which is day one to 14, where you have your period and where ovulation tends to begin between day 12 and 16. And ovulation is when you release your egg. Um, And then the luteal phase, which is day 14 to 28. Say if you've got this 28 day cycle, for example, and that's where basically seven days after you've ovulated, like your your body starts to prepare yourself for, you know, this fertilized egg to come along. And if that doesn't happen, that's when you start your period and go back to day one again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like, you know, what, what you know we're expecting from normal phases. Mm-hmm. But I think something that's really important to know as well is that when we actually start having our periods in our teens, Um, It's quite normal for them to be irregular even up to the first five years. And it's just your body's hormones sort of getting used to what's going on. And um, obviously, like if there's other things going on at the same time, like any other random symptoms people might be getting, definitely go to the doctor then. But it is quite normal if, you know, you've had lots of investigations and you're you're very young and you've just recently started for your doctor to say to watch and wait, for example, to see what happens. And yeah, and so that's kind of the situation there when the sort of comes to a normal timeline. And what factors would influence a regular or irregular cycle? So I think um, coming back to the questions um, or the answers before, so it's things like, you know, stress, over-exercising, change in hormonal levels, um, including like having different conditions like thyroid, diabetes, polycystic ovarian, if you're going into premature menopause, not eating enough or yo-yo dieting and poor sort of sleep. And it's all really to do with um, your body being ready to be pregnant or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously if there's something more underlying going like a medical condition, and that's where, you know, things like if you've, if your periods have suddenly become really irregular or you've just, you're having periods like once every three months, or, you know, for example, you've, you've come off the pill and you're like, whoa, what's happening to all my periods now? And it can take sometimes a couple of months in my own experience with, with, with managing my patients for sometimes things to get more regular again. Some people start their period straight up and, you know, it's, it's absolutely fine. But if you are finding that there are any menstrual uh, irregularities, definitely go and see your doctor because they might want to do some blood tests or an ultrasound scan, for example. And what particular things should we look out for when we're tracking our cycles? Because I found it really interesting to learn how much our energy levels change and things like that over the month. So what should we be looking out for as key things to identify where we're at in our cycle? Well, I think it's really awesome that you're tracking your cycle, actually, and just uh, expressing an interest in what your body's doing and and how your menstrual cycle is impacting on yourself as a person, like on your mood, um, mm. on like any potential sort of discomforts or IBS, for example, some people can yeah. have and and stuff like that. And, and the main things really to look out for, because tracking apps can be helpful, um, but everyone is so individual everyone is so unique that the the best way to really understand your cycle is to basically make note of your vaginal discharge so for example when you're ovulating your your discharge is very thin and watery and that's just to allow the sperm to be able to swim up nicely up to the cervix and get into the womb itself and fertilize an egg 
And then shortly after that uh, ovulation period, uh, that's when um, sort of the estrogen falls and the progesterone sort of increases and the discharge then becomes very thick and forms this mucus plug basically over the cervix to help protect the womb from any infections. So really trying to understand your discharge is is probably one of the most effective things uh, to do to understand your Mm -hmm. cycle. Um, and also when you ovulate, um, you, uh, your temperature increases as well due to um, the release of progesterone. Um, but then like, for example, when you've got certain medical conditions like polycystic ovarian syndrome, it can be really tricky to track it. And, and so it's, you know, that's where you, know, you need some sort of more help if you're trying to get pregnant, for example. Um, mm-hmm. I think it all depends on why you're trying to to track where your cycle's at. You know, if you're trying to use it for a more natural form of contraception, which can be challenging because um, it's not going to be as effective, for example, as as using uh, other sort of hormonal contraceptive methods or at least a condom. Um, what do you know? Do you know the percentage of um, that method? I think um, by using like ovulation tracking, I think it's an eight percent risk of pregnancy in comparison to like one percent risk if you're using or less mm, um, on yeah. hormonal contraception, for example. Yeah, so, I thought um, it'd be higher. That's interesting. Same. <laughs> I thought it would be higher. Yeah. Eight percent's not bad. <laughs> it's like I'll take that. <laughs> so I was saying that I've been using this app called Kindara to track like discharge and temperature and all of that stuff. Mm. Um, and I've been using the ph- thermometer and all of that stuff. And I was going to ask if that was an effective way to track your fertility. So if you are trying to get pregnant, is that a good way of figuring out when you are fertile? It can be, um, but it can also be incorrect as well. So, for example, like I was saying before, actually getting to know your body is Mm. um, going to probably be the the best form of ovulation tracking. So sometimes these apps can be wrong Mm. because our bodies are not like clockwork. Um, Mm. You know, we're not textbooks, but they're there to help guide us in a way. And also, if you're going to use the temperature as a form of tracking, you must do it at the same time every day. So I probably just say do it in the morning because that's going to be the most sort of accurate way of measuring the temperature. But you know, bear in mind, these apps can be wrong. So mm-hmm. don't rely on them 100%. Okay. And at what stage should we see a professional if something doesn't seem right? So I guess it, again, sort of depends on, on what you're aiming for here. So if you are trying to get pregnant, so it's quite common for people to, you know, take six to 12 months to get pregnant, actually. So about mm. 80% people can get pregnant within six months, 90% roughly by sort of 12 months. So, you know, if you've, you're healthy and well, especially if less than 35, and, you know, I'd be waiting sort of 12 months prior to seeing a professional, really. Um, you can get some routine tests done. There are lots of different tests to, to do potentially for fertility. But again, that can be... A bit of a tricky thing, uh, I don't want to say ethically, but like for oneself to do, because for example, if you're looking for potential abnormalities and you find one, they won't necessarily sort of change something. So for example, there's blood tests to check for how many follicles or, you know, eggs you've got. And then there's ultrasounds to check for, you know, like the size and if things are actually happening. Um, But it doesn't actually sort of detect whether or not your, you know, your capability of getting pregnant. So, for Mm. example, I've had patients who have had uh, low levels um, on their blood test to show how many sort of eggs they've got. But then they've gotten pregnant sort of very shortly after. um, 
someone else told me that the other day. I can't remember who I was yeah. talking to, but someone said No, they they the AMH test I don't think it's like yeah. It's a, it's an ind- it's an indicator, but it's not like mm. 100%. I was going to say on the periods I don't get a heavy period, really really light, only lasts a few days. And I was just like, oh, I must not be fertile. I legitimately in my head thought that. And then I I just, and I never got it checked and I never really just, I just left it and thought in the back of my head, oh, that must be an issue. And it's funny because then I got all the testing done for the egg freezing. I was super fertile. And then I spoke to a, I spoke <laughs> to a naturopath and I was like explaining the period test. She's like, no, that sounds pretty normal to me. Plus all the tests. So I actually wish I'd done it the reverse way. Like I wish I'd done that mm. test and got my – because I'd been like worried about it because I don't know why I just assumed that a period meant you were fertile, <laughs> like a heavy period <laughs> meant, meant you were more fertile. Oh, it's definitely not the case. Yeah. Just, you're very fortunate to have light periods, basically. Yeah, I know. Um, now I know that. <laughs> I, I'm like, oh, that's been – so. I, I heard of people like a girl I went to school with had to change a super tampon every 15 minutes or something. Friends of mine have awfully heavy periods, yeah. That would be really challenging. Yeah, and that's probably something maybe worth sort of speaking to a GP about as well. If you've got really heavy, painful periods, like sometimes that can mean there's an underlying condition, whether it be like fibroids or cysts or endometriosis or adenomyosis, things like that. So... Um, but again, like if it's having an impact on your life and, mm. you know, your daily living, that's an indication in itself to see your GP. Mm-hmm. Or like, for example, if your your periods have, have changed dramatically, like I would definitely, you I mean, not even dramatically, if they've changed quite a bit, you know, significantly for you, especially if it's persistent, sort of uh, more than three months, like I would totally go and see a GP. And then also like, you know, making sure that, you know, if you're, you know, having unprotected intercourse, um, you know, having STI checks and also making sure that, you know, with your new partners that you're both negative for STIs because it's so common. Like I see STIs every single week and Mm. you really don't have to have symptoms for it. So, you know, if you're having like sort of more sort of casual partners, like you can get an STI check every three months. Also, you know, if you're like developing any sort of um, sort of vaginal symptoms, etc., or sort of odd sort of pelvic pains uh, that are new for you, and then also if you're if you're over 35 and you've not been able to conceive, you know, maybe sort of more than six months, or if you've got polycystic ovarian syndrome, it's been more than six months, you know, I would totally recommend seeing your GP then because you might want to, you know, have some more help with ovulation tracking, maybe see like an ovulation special, you know, um, sort of fertility specialist and whatnot. But I think, um, you know, the main thing when it comes to medicine, when when we're looking at doing investigations, especially when it comes to fertility, there's a fine balance between over-investigating early um, and investigating at a time when you would actually make a change and sort of um, do interventions. So this is why I say it's really important to, to, to have a, you know, have a good think about what you want to do if you know, if it's not going to make you too anxious um, about getting lots of investigations, then potentially having a result where it shows that you've got low eggs, for example, and also making sure that the doctor that you go to actually knows what they're doing. Um, Because Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of GPs have um, a lot of awareness about AMH and ultrasounds and progesterone levels and things like that. And just sort of they might have someone else in mind where they're like, oh, this GP really like is very familiar with that or going to see a fertility specialist to to discuss it because sometimes it can cause you more anxiety 
um, which then can impact on your fertility as we've discussed earlier with stress impacting on your fertility levels and then potentially your sleep and everything. So mm. um, yeah, so any concerns, any worries, you just have a chat with your GP and if they don't know what they're talking about, ask them for someone if they know someone does. <laughs> Good advice. Yeah, I hope that's been really educational for our listeners, for those that didn't learn about cycles in high school like <laughs> we clearly like did. Like you. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And me, actually. Yeah, I, I feel like yeah, you're in the same yeah. boat. You may not have known the moon thing. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, thank you, Dr. Lucinda, for joining us once again. Pleasure. Anytime. Take care, guys. So for those uh, listeners who don't know yet, we are now stocking CeraVe and we were just talking about how exciting it is with our guest today, Dr. Ryan DeCruz from Southern Dermatology. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We are very excited to be a stockist of this brand, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people that are in our Facebook group for the podcast are very excited as well. Uh, So a key component of this brand is, of course, ceramides. So Dr. Ryan, can you tell us what are ceramides and what do they do for our skin? Yeah, so ceramides are actually one of the most important aspects of our skin barrier. They are actually fats or lipids that are found not only within skin cells, known as keratinocytes, but they're also surrounding or bathing the skin cells to form a really specific and special cement that holds our skin cells together. And they are critical to help the skin retain moisture and to block out all the baddies, all the environmental allergens, uh, dusts and pollens and bacteria and viruses, but they're also critical in helping the skin maintain skin moisture. So we know that ceramides have been proven to be reduced in a range of different skin conditions, uh, such as eczema, psoriasis. They're also reduced in acne and rosacea. And just simply as the, the skin naturally ages, or as we get older, we don't produce quite as many ceramides as we, as we used to. And um, can you talk us through the different types of ceramides? Yeah, so look, there are probably about 12 different ceramides that have been uh, investigated or named, so to speak. And the truth is that it's not so important to know which one is contained within a product because generally when you find a really good product that contains ceramides, there'll be a mixture of them. So, for example, ceramides 1, 2 and 3 are probably the the most commonly found ceramides and they've got different names like ceramides EOS, ceramides NS. They're sort of named after, uh, they've all got different letters or acronyms. Uh, We've also got ceramides 6, 2 and ceramide 9 and so on and so forth. So you'll often find this complex constellation of ceramides uh, within products and these are synthetically made ceramides so they're actually a little bit more stable than what you find when you extract ceramides from the skin they'll often disintegrate or deteriorate over time so we've actually the clever scientists have worked out how to very carefully recreate the chemical structures exactly uh, to make them more stable and also include them within skincare i thought there was one ceramide (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's a common misconception. They're like to, ceramides is such a kind of a random word as well. <laughs> Just a ceramide is like an ingredient. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> that's good to know. I feel like it's one of those ingredients that's going to gain a lot of traction. Like remember when no one knew, yeah. knew what hyaluronic acid was? Yes. And now yeah. exactly everyone right. knows what it is. It's going to be yeah. one of those ingredients, I reckon. So are there any skin concerns or skin types, Ryan, that can benefit from using ceramides in their skincare? Yeah. So in my opinion, actually every skin type and all skin types should be using uh, ceramides in skincare Mm -hmm. because what we find that 
is that it doesn't really matter what your skin type, whether you're more acne prone and oily skin or dry skin and, and eczema prone or uh, rosacea and really sensitive skin, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, we find that ceramides actually have a very beneficial role in pretty much all of those conditions. So for example, if you look at the dry skin and the eczema, what we're really wanting to do is to lock in hydration and to prevent transepidermal water loss, which is that just evaporation of moisture. Whereas if you're looking at sort of anti-aging, for example, we know that actually hydration and the natural anti-inflammatory effects of ceramides can be very good in actually preventing the cellular damage that occurs through you know, natural uh, oxidating stresses, uh, environmental pollutants. So it actually doesn't really matter what, what the end game is or the end goal, because the, the ceramides are actually have been proven scientifically to help quite a number of different concerns. Mm -hmm. And are there certain foods we can get ceramides from? Not exactly. So what we find is that foods that are high in plant sterols and cholesterol, so we're thinking of things like um, the omega-3 fatty acids, the natural salmons and, and rich, rich fats that we get from avocados and from uh, nuts all contain various types of sterols and cholesterols. These are then broken down in the human body to, to synthesize ceramides. So they don't necessarily come you know beautifully pre-packaged in a in a vitamin <laughs> or a, in foods but but a lot of those healthier foods that we know can be very beneficial for skin can be used to, to produce them mm -hmm. now let's talk about CeraVe you work closely with the brand which I knew before we brought them on and so you're the first person that sprung to my mind when we wanted to talk about the brand what do you like about the range yeah, so I think my, my relationship with the CeraVe actually dates back to roughly 2019, well before it was even in Australia, mm -hmm. because I had a number of patients who were, who were literally importing this from overseas. Wow. Um, I even had some family members reach out to me saying, oh, you know, can you get this for us or do you know where we could find it in Australia? And truthfully, I hadn't even heard about the brand at all until, you know, the, my patients sort of educated me about it. Um, and so I sort of did my own research and looked into it. I looked at some of the studies in, into ceramides and realised that actually from a scientific point of view, it has one of the greatest bodies of evidence of any of the ingredients that we have in skincare to prove how effective they are. Mm. Um, so that's how it all started. As, uh, as then the, the company actually launched in Australia, I was fortunate to be part of some pilot studies with them. So with actually the great thing about them as a company is that they want to use their products in a variety of different age groups, uh, skin types, skin colours, uh, sexes, and even different medical conditions such as diabetes, uh, rosacea, psoriasis. And they want us as dermatologists to try it uh, for free. So they would literally give it to me for free to be used on patients. Uh, and then I'd assess these patients back after to say, you know, 12 or, or 16 weeks. So I was involved at a very early um, sort of period and actually just loved it. Found I was genuinely getting really good results. But the thing that was really nice and very differentiated this brand, I guess, from others was its price point. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was going to yeah. say that. It's so good that it's affordable. It's in that bracket that's achievable for most people. Yeah, that's right. So you're really not spending more than, say, 24 or 25 mm. Aussie dollars on, on products that are genuinely really well backed by science work and tick a lot of my boxes as well as a dermatologist. So I don't want things to be fragranced because mm -hmm. I know that that can, can trigger sun, um, skin conditions. I don't want it to be packed full of preservatives or botanicals, uh, which again, can just cause a lot of skin irritations and actually make a lot of skin conditions worse. So this is the true, true sort of minimalist formula mm -hmm. uh, that's 
perfectly pH balanced. So it just, as I said, it just ticks so many boxes mm -hmm. that I, I don't really think I have a, a particular patient for whom this isn't appropriate or who doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in the last, see, six to 12 months, what they've done is brought over from America uh, a lot of their so-called hybrid products as well. So they're sort of cream to foam cleansers. They've got the foaming uh, hydrating oil cleanser. They've got just their, their basic um, hydrating cream-based cleanser. So there's actually quite a few different ones that actually suit those different skin types a little bit more specifically. Yeah. And the salicylic acid products too. That's right. So CeraVe SA, which mm. is great for the keratosis pilaris patients uh, who you know don't want that chicken skin on their arms or their mm. thighs, but equally can actually be used in, in acne patients because yeah. the cell acid, of course, is going to work as a great keratolytic. So yeah, it's sort of a very, it's grown, my relationship is very organic and very, um, I guess, just based on the trust that I have with, with the range. Um, obviously, it's not the only range that I'll use or, or recommend, and I, I certainly don't have shares in it or anything like that, <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a range that I, I do believe in. Mm -hmm. And um, do you have like products that you kind of are always recommending or any kind of like holy grails from the range that um, maybe people that have never tried it? I've never tried it. I've never tried CeraVe. So what should I start with? <laughs> so again, it, it comes down a little bit to preference into your skin type. So I guess I'll put it back to you. What, how would you describe your skin? Are, are you Oi oily? Oily. You oily skin. You're oily. Okay. <laughs> Oily skin. Great. So with the oilier skin types, they do a couple of cleansers that would be really quite nice. So they're actually just their foaming hydrating cleanser. So it just foams very lightly to remove some of the, the thicker oils and debris from the skin without over drying you. Mm -hmm. So that's what I like about it. But even if you do find it still a little bit too, let's use the word harsh on your skin, which I'd be surprised, but if you did, their um, cream to foam cleanser is really nice as well. So it's hydrating, but still will foam up a little bit to remove excess oil. And using those two cleansers as just a starting point, I'm very confident that you'd like. And again, it's super cheap and will last ages. Um, so I'm using their cleansers quite regularly. My personal favorite, and this is again, based on my own skin type, which is the drier skin type, is their, their cream. So just their simple CeraVe moisturizing cream, or the French call it the, the Balm, B-A-U-M. And I, I love that product as well, because just a small amount goes a very long way and you can, you can use it for all sorts of purposes. So I quite commonly recommend it for my acne patients mm -hmm. because I'm giving them pretty harsh drying products, uh, topical retinoids, oral retinoids, alpha hydroxy acids, etc. So I want to buffer it with a really good moisturizer and I'll use go-to CeraVe cream and it just lasts forever. Mm -hmm. So they're probably my, my favorites, but it, it's horses for courses. Are they, um, do you think the range, because you were saying that it's like non-irritating without sort of the additives, it, would it be good like post-treatment as well? Yeah, definitely. So this is where, for example, their, their hyaluronic acid serum, which is again, super cheap, mm. is really soothing. It will, it'll repair the skin post anything like skin needling, microdermabrasion, uh, laser of various types, because all it is is good hyaluronic in a nice uh, lotion base. Uh, and you would then potentially seal it in with their CeraVe cream. So absolutely very basic. And you know, that you can recommend it because it's not going to contain anything that's going to aggravate or irritate post-procedure. Mm, some great recommendations there. I'm very excited that we're bringing this more affordable brand to Adore Beauty. Hannah and I love to talk about bargain versus bougie, and this is definitely <laughs> one of those uh, bargain brands that we're going to love to recommend on this podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Ryan. No worries. Thanks so much for having me. What is your product you didn't know you needed today, Joe? I swear this wasn't even planned. It's just it's lined up this way. 
I my product I didn't know I needed today is the CeraVe Daily Moisturizing Lotion. I took this to Queensland with me last weekend, weekend before, whatever it was, uh, and I really wanted to prolong my tan. So because I was leaving on Thursday afternoon, I had to get Hattie to do my spray tan at home on Wednesday night, and I needed that tan to last and still look good by Sunday. So I really needed to make sure I was using something that was very hydrating, that was going to keep my tan intact. And it was a bit of a risk because I was going to be in chlorine, like I was going to be swimming and stuff. And your tan does tend to come off with chlorine, which it still did a little bit, but I felt it didn't go patchy. So I was using um, the Daily Moisturizing Lotion, which is more of, I would say, almost a gel texture. So everyone knows that I love the big boy, the Kiehl's Creme de Corps. Still, that would be my OG fave of all time. Can't get enough of it, but it's so expensive. Like for a body moisturizer, it really is expensive. And if you're using it every day, you go through it quite quickly. So the daily moisturizing lotion, this one that I have is in a little pump pack and that's 473 mils for $22. Mm -hmm. So absolute bargain compared to Kiehl's, which is I think the one that I buy is the 500 or is it a liter that I buy? I don't even know, but it's like much more expensive. Anyway, so this one has three essential ceramides in there, which you would have heard Dr. Ryan talk about in this segment previous to this, and the MVE technology, which helps to retain natural moisture in the skin. And it's also got hyaluronic acid as well. So the beauty of this is that it's so lightweight that it absorbs super quickly. So if you hate the feeling of like a lotion on your skin, and I really like the keels for that because I put it on before bed and I feel like it's just really you know, my body's lathered in it. But if you do not like that feeling, then I'd recommend something like this, which is more of a lotion, almost gel texture. And it just, yeah, absorbs straight away. Definitely keeps the skin hydrated. If you're super, super dry, you might want something more rich or you could add maybe a little drop of oil to this. Uh, But yeah, that's my product I know I needed today. What's yours? Um, So I've officially run out of products to talk about. I have to come home Mm -hmm. just to start trying new products. And but I was like, I was on, I was actually on a Doors website today because I was like, I have literally not another single product that I haven't talked about. Literally every product. Yeah. So um, then I saw a product that I had actually used before I got here because I got given a sample months before I left for Thailand. But it's just gone live on the website, I think. It's the Olaplex Number Four P Blonde Enhancer Toning Shampoo. So um, I talk about Olaplex Shampoo Conditioner and Number Eight uh, Mask all the time. They're probably like that's my one of my top brands, um, particularly for my hair, which not only is it like I've got it sort of dyed, not blonde, but it's got, what would you call it, bronze. Mm-hmm. And not only if I like it's dyed, but it's also super dry. I use heat tools. So um, I love the Olaplex products. But this is the, um, it's actually their shampoo. I don't know what the P stands for, but it's 4P instead Purple? of 4. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> number, it's number four P. They could have just called it number nine, or then maybe there's a number nine. Anyway, but this is a blonde enhancer toning shampoo, so it is like super strong, a very strong like toning product. You almost need to wear. Well, it does say to wear um, gloves. I don't, but anyway, up to you. But it is strong enough that you would need to wear gloves. Um, so it's suitable for blonde hair, grey hair, but then also for me, um, I've got balayage at the end of my hair. So at the moment. 
Like my hair could not be more brassy than it is right now. I've run out of all my toning products. My hair is like a total mess. So this is like the first shampoo that I'm going to use when I get home. I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, I cannot wait to get home and use that um, Olaplex number 4P. You're going to have so many samples when you get back. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Um, But it also, obviously, it has Olaplex's patented ingredient that helps to restore the broken bonds in damaged hair. Really good for um, blonde hair. But you've also got the violet pigments, which will neutralize brightness. The only thing is that when you, they recommend pre-washing your hair with your usual shampoo to remove any product buildup. Um, And then the instruction says use a walnut, like a walnut sized, what am I saying? Walnut sized amount. Yeah. Walnut sized amount of the shampoo. (laughs) Um, lather it through like for me I'd lather it through the ends and then leave it for three to five minutes rinse and then use conditioner or hair mask and use it probably use it weekly I would recommend Um, it is a really strong toning shampoo so that's mine amazing um so you know how we've said before that when you're dating people the last thing you want them to do is go and listen to the podcast (laughs) yes so I didn't have an issue with the person that I'm dating going to listen to the podcast. However, I think something worse may have happened. What? His mum listened to it. (laughs) (laughs) So he's still yet to listen to it because I've said do not under any circumstances because I forget what we say on here. Like a week goes past, I go, I don't know what I even said on that episode. Like who even knows like what I said about my bowels or whatever. Yeah. But – yeah, a worse situation has occurred as a result of that. Oh, um, and I've not awful. even met his mum yet. And oh, so she knows all about your. Imagine if she <sighs> listened to the episode where you'd taken um, gastro stop before going she away with him. She might have. She may have. <gasps> she might be binging <laughs> every. She might that. love it so much that she's binging every episode right now. Oh, I really hope not. I just hope she thought, oh, that was the worst thing I've ever listened to. I'm never listening to that again. God help me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> And how's your toilet situation going over there? I feel like you've you've passed the barrier. Oh, we have we have powered through um, the barrier. So um, yeah, yeah, it's so easy just to be. Why was I never like this? Why didn't I? I don't know. I think you get older, wiser, more comfortable. It's just the more time you spend with someone, you kind of put into a situation where you just have to adapt. Yeah, I don't think there was any possibility it wasn't a week in Bali like it's been a very yes. concentrated amount of time together yeah and there was nothing that could what be- about the farts because I know that you fart a lot <laughs> what? how do you know that <laughs> everyone farts a lot because you tell me you're always like I need a fart <laughs> <laughs> I think it, like how many times does the average person fart I know it's a lot everyone farts a lot <laughs> Five to yeah. 15 times a day. That's not that much. I thought it would be more. I'm probably on the upper end of that, maybe 10 times a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and that's probably because I think it's because I'm vegetarian and particularly when I start eating like cruciferous mm. vegetables more and mm. beans and stuff, my stomach is in knots and – Cabbage f***s oh, with me in a big way. Yeah. No sanctuary <laughs> bell for me. <laughs> the stomach, uh, I'm not comfortable yet to fart. That's, I think – for me still a that's not going to happen on this trip uh, okay so yeah it's really challenging because 
because yeah, you let some out when you when you go to the bathroom, but yeah. it builds up again. But and then more comes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so gas. So starts, remember yeah. how on our live episode someone said you just like roll onto your side and then like you're getting the anus out on, you just lift yeah. your cheek. I tried that. I tried that. Oh, and it still was loud. No, I, I think I tried that in the bathroom and I could still hear it. Oh no, not in an echoey space. Oh, you gotta do it. But they're next to you. Oh, but if you're like, if they're asleep, they don't know any better. <laughs> I reckon I've been, I reckon I've been farting in my sleep, and he's too polite to tell me. He made a comment. Well, the other, you know, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he made a comment the other day, like, "Oh, I mean, like, if you fart in your sleep, like, you can't help that." He said something like that, and I said, "Sorry, have I yeah. been farting in my sleep?" He's like, "No, no, no, that's <laughs> not what I meant. That's not what I meant." And I was like. Oh, that definitely, you definitely have. Definitely. You definitely have. I mean, one thing I am because I'm I'm flying home in three days. One thing I am a little bit excited about is just free farting whenever I want. Yes, that will be. Yeah. That's probably the main thing that I'm excited about because <laughs> it has it. Not to see me. Oh no! Oh, I want cool. I want to see you. <laughs> I want to see my niece. I'm also excited to make my own nachos and do a puzzle. That's probably what I'm most excited about. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. Showing my, showing my age. Well, we're looking forward to having you back, Hannah. Thanks, thanks. I'm so excited. I am excited to come home. But also sad. Sad, of course. Yeah. Sad, of course. Mm. <laughs> well, we'll hear all about the long-distance relationship, I'm sure, in the coming months. <laughs> yeah, you will. I'll probably be like this again, like lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.